Hey, welcome to Teb's Talks, the Prometheus podcast. If you want to check out more of the things I do, head to jasontebs.com. What is up, everybody? It is Teb's Talks, the premier useless podcast. I'm your host, Jason Tebbs. My brother-in-law recently got married. Congratulations. Congratulations. He got married a couple days ago. Beautiful wedding. Lovely couple. I'm super excited for him. Super excited for his now wife. They're currently on their honeymoon having fun so i don't know if they're gonna hear this while they're on their honeymoon hopefully they're having more fun than you know sitting around listening to me ramble on a podcast but this episode is for them specifically dylan and abby congratulations on getting married this is my advice as uh your brother-in-law i guess technically i'm dylan's brother-in-law i married dylan's sister um so i don't know what that makes me in relation to abby like am i technically a brother-in-law am i uh married whatever it is anyway my advice as somebody whose seven year anniversary is actually tomorrow what i would give what advice i would give to a brand new married couple as somebody that will be married for seven years as of tomorrow as of recording this episode so the first thing i would say seven years in is a lot of things are gonna change. It's incredible how much changes in your 20s. It's incredible how much changes in just seven years in general, I guess no matter what your age is. And it's incredible how much a marriage evolves after seven years. So don't expect that whatever is happening right at the front is gonna continue to happen seven years down the line. And that, that's both good and bad things. You know, hopefully the bad things will get ironed out. And sometimes there, there are good things that become commonplace. So maybe you don't quite appreciate them as much because you've just been in, in it for seven whole years. So it's just water under the bridge. You know, this is my life. What I originally thought was super exciting about being married is just, just my average every day. And that's okay. It is a-okay, and it is actually very healthy that things evolve after seven years of marriage. Now, I also only have one marriage to pull my inspiration from. I only have one marriage that I can pull knowledge from and experience from. And what works for me and my wife and what I learned from me and my relationship and my marriage over these seven years might not be what you learn and what you experience in your marriage but hopefully these are just things that you could maybe think of talk of talk about uh, or at least have a good laugh when you get seven years down the line and you know if you listen back to this and be like oh yeah what was what was that advice jason gave when we first got married and he was you know seven years into his marriage so the first year so far in my opinion was the hardest the first year of marriage was the hardest because you are taking two people that have completely different life experience and maybe it's not like completely different but you have you have two people that have different life experience that have different idiosyncrasies that just have different ways about going about things They have their own ups, their own downs, their own hardships, their own skills, their own shortcomings, and you're trying to mesh them into one unit. And not everything's going to be as simple as, oh yeah, the square peg goes in the square hole, 
the round peg goes in the round hole. Sometimes you're like, oh shoot, I got a square peg and she's got a round peg and there's a triangle hole. Like what, <laughs> what are we doing here, right? Things can get complicated and just understanding that dynamic can be very rewarding, um, but it can be very difficult. Now, this is because me and my wife, we didn't live together before we were married. Uh, I know my brother-in-law and his wife, you know, his new wife, uh, didn't live together before getting married. That's partially because of religious beliefs, um, but that is a change. Living with somebody 24-7, you know, is a lot different than, oh yeah, we're dating and we hang out all the time. Because when you're dating and you hang out all the time, there does come a point where you're like, okay, I'm going to go back to my own space. But when you're married, and especially if you're starting out, and especially if you have maybe a smaller, a smaller apartment or a smaller place you're staying, it's suddenly our space. Everything is our space. And trying to identify and come up with those times where, you know, each person can have their own space and their own time becomes difficult because when you're first married, you know, you have that honeymoon phase, which I don't like that saying anyway, but you have this phase where you're just so excited to to be together and you want to share everything and you're like, yes, this is ours. It's ours. It's ours. It's ours. You eventually get into that habit and it eventually causes a gray area where you're like, okay, what is actually mine? Because you still need to, you still need to keep some identity of individuality. That's very healthy. You still need to be like, okay, in my marriage, I am Jason. This is for Jason. This time is Jason's. And my wife, she needs to be like, you know, she's Kara. That time is for Kara. She does what Kara wants to, wants to do, right? It's healthy to still have that bit of separation and understanding that, like, you still can be a bit of an individual. Like, hopefully you are a greater whole. The sum of the parts are... The sum of the whole is greater than the individual parts. Like, hopefully it is that way. But it's nice to have those times where you can be your own individual person doing your own individual things. So, yes, be excited, share things, but understand and keep in mind that it is okay if you want to do things individually. I know a lot of people will have a hard time with that when you're first married, and some people might come to resent it, but it's okay to have your individual time. It's actually very healthy. Next thing this is going to be a little crass, so uh, uh, plug your ears if you if you don't want to if you don't want to hear something a little crass. The sex will get better. Now, granted, you know a lot of people, especially in the Mormon community, when they are coming into marriage, don't have a whole ton of sexual experience, so they don't understand exactly how bad sex is in the beginning. But let me tell you, if you ask me and my wife, oh my gosh, what? night and day difference between what the sex was like at the beginning of the marriage versus, you know, seven years in. It is a lot more loving. It is a lot more intimate. It is a lot more enjoyable seven years in than it was at the beginning. And not that it was bad. Like, obviously, when you compare it, it's like, oh, gosh, I'm glad we're not having such awful sex like we were back then because we didn't know any better. And it's okay not to know any better. And it's okay to learn what you like and learn what gets you excited and learn what feels intimate and what feels right and what feels loving between you and your partner. That's a wonderful, magnificent process. You will learn things over the years. Things that you like, things that you don't like, 
better ways to communicate, better ways to show that intimacy. Because, you know, maybe I'll say the intimacy gets better over years. Maybe not just say, oh, sex. Because intimacy incorporates a lot of different things. And sex happens to be just one of those things. So hopefully your intimacy can can grow and can evolve into something better. So when you get seven years down the line, you're like, oh man, we're much better at this seven years in than we were at the beginning. Like looking back on it, I can't believe how bad it was. Not that it's bad, again, not that it's bad, but comparatively. Another thing I would suggest, like you gotta be willing to, you gotta be willing to push each other to be the best you possibly can. Yeah, they are your spouse. And you want to love them and you want to show them compassion and you want to care for them and you want to make sure they're comfortable and okay. But it's a slippery slope to just enablement. Like, obviously be their biggest cheerleader. I think that's I think that's the main point what I'm trying to get past. Be your spouse's biggest cheerleader. But also, sometimes when you're their biggest cheerleader, like you have to have the rough conversation to say, hey, you can do better. And it's not always easy. And progression isn't linear. That is 100% true. Progression isn't linear. Don't expect linear progression out of your spouse, no matter what the situation. No matter if they're trying to improve something, like trying to move up in their career, or if they're uh, struggling with like a weakness, like, I don't know, maybe, maybe they're trying to lose weight. Like for me, that's something I need to do. I need to try and lose weight. Progress isn't linear. Like I... I was at 210, I got down to like 190, I'm back at 200. That's not linear progression. Now my wife is definitely in my court and she wants me to feel better, she wants me to be happier. She's she's cheering me on and she is pushing me and advocating for me to be better and to lose weight and to get into better shape and to feel healthier. And she doesn't harp on me. You know, I I, I did pretty well for a little bit. I've put some of the weight back on. And she doesn't harp on me, but she is still willing to push me and say, hey, this is really something that I think you should focus on. This is really something that I think you should put some attention to. I want you to be better. I want you to feel healthier, that sort of thing. You know, on the flip side, like she has some things that she's trying to work through where I'm, you know, I'm trying to help her. And I understand that progress isn't linear. And some days, you know, she's better at it than other days, but I'm there for her. I'm cheering her on but I am also pushing her to be better and to succeed in the things she wants to succeed. So be their biggest cheerleader. Also be willing to push them to be better. Another thing, you don't have to agree on everything. There will be times that you disagree and that's okay. Now, hopefully on some big major life decisions, you can come to a, a common ground and hopefully there that's pretty easy to come to. Let's say one person wants x amount of kids and another person wants x plus or minus one you know that that could hopefully be agreed upon find a commonality find what works best for you now if it's something like okay one person wants one kid and the other person wants 15 obviously that's gonna cause some issues and you know you're gonna have to work on that and find a middle ground but it's okay it's okay if you guys have slightly different opinions it's okay if there are things that you disagree on. I would suggest, and this is kind of a general business practice. I learned it from, I can't remember if it was a book. Um, maybe it was a 
Seven Habits of Highly Effective People or else how to win how to win friends and influence people, one of those two books. But try and go for the win-win. Like try and go for a win-win or no deal. The last thing you want to do in a marriage is start keeping score. I gave up this. I did this for you. I took this loss. I sacrificed this. I put in this effort. And what have you done? You took the easy road. You took the W on that. You didn't sacrifice everything. anything. If you start keeping score, that is so incredibly toxic. Keeping score is one of, in my opinion, the quickest ways to grow resentful of your partner. Do not, under any circumstances, and it can be hard, do not keep score. Oh, well, you got to do this and this and this and this, and you got to go that place and that place, and you got this experience and this experience. I didn't get any of that. Oh, I did the dishes three times this week. I did the dishes four times last week. I also did the laundry. I also cleaned the living room. I also cleaned the bathrooms. You didn't do any of that. If you start keeping score that way, oh my gosh, you're gonna, you are going to run into problems. There, there's a time and a place to relay that information of saying something more along the lines of, hey, I feel like I've been taking on the responsibility of doing X, Y, Z. I would like it if we could share that responsibility, but let me get your understanding of, you know, do you feel that there's a responsibility that you're taking on that we could share? Or do we want to say, you know, we'll split responsibilities, that sort of thing. Like me and my wife, things like the laundry, she generally takes care of. Cooking, I generally take care of. Dishes, we'll split back and forth. Now we haven't been perfect on doing that. And there are definitely times where my wife will be like, oh my gosh, I've done the dishes the last couple times. Like you got to do them, please. There'll be times where I'm like, hey, we got to get this laundry through. Um, There'll be times where I'm like, okay, I've been doing the dishes a lot, but it's not there to keep score. I'm not there to keep score. My wife's not there to keep score. It is simply trying to communicate like, hey, there's a lot of responsibilities in our lives. How are we going to best balance them? And if one spouse absolutely despises doing dishes and another spouse absolutely despises doing laundry, it is a-okay if you say, hey, 90% of the time, you're going to do the dishes, I'm going to do the laundry. Occasionally, we'll help each other out if if we really need it or if you know we want to shake things up a little bit, but it is okay to split that responsibility. Now, you two are going to value things differently. For example, Kara values like a clean and organized house a lot more than I do. Now, there are definitely points where it gets too much for me and I'm like, okay, I got to clean this place up. Let's go. Let's get things organized. But Kara definitely values a clean house a lot more than I do. Now, I could just say, oh, if you value that, you do it. That's not okay. That's not a good way to go about it. Instead, and again, I'm saying this as not that I'm perfect at it. I can definitely do better. But hey, I see that you value this thing and our levels of how we value it do not match. What can I do to help facilitate your value for that and help you feel like you're achieving the desired results you want? Because my cleaning schedule is not going to be as often 
or as frequent or as detailed as your cleaning schedule is going to be. But I don't want that burden to be wholly placed on you to keep this place clean. You know, what are going to be my jobs? It might be something like, hey, hey, if you can just keep the kitchen clean, I'll do the rest. You know, hey, if every week you can just quickly hit the bathrooms, I'll do the rest. Different things like that. And that's going to show that like, hey, I care for the things that you value and I care for the results that you want to see within our marriage and within our dynamic. And I want to help be part of the solution of that. I want to help find that solution. And there are going to be other things, you know, it's it's going to be your own dynamic. But again, like don't keep score and understand that the other person might value something that you don't fully understand how much they value it or even why they value it in the first place. And so they might be working on something that they think is very valuable and you, you just have to communicate those things. Now, on the topic of kids, I assume, but you know what they say when you assume, I assume both of you want kids. Let me tell kind of a dark, dreary side of having kids. And I'll, I'll tell you a story that I told two podcast episodes ago. I was at a baby shower for my best friend earlier this summer. And at that baby shower was one of my other friends. Now, me and this other friend are at very similar stages of our life. We have similar aged kids, similar kind of career levels. We just have very similar experiences that we're going through right now. And we were both at this baby shower. And there was a sign at the baby shower that said, what advice would you give to the expecting parents? And him and I, at the very same time, said don't we just both pulled that kind of knee-jerk reaction it was kind of a joke but we both pulled that at the same time essentially saying like we would suggest not having kids now you might hear that and you might think oh my gosh that's that's horrible especially considering i have a kid but let me clarify what i mean by that and what we both meant by that first and foremost I love my family more than anything. And I am so grateful I have the kid I do. He is so sweet. I love him to absolute death. I'll go to the ends of the earth for him. I am so glad that I have him. And I know my friend is the same about his, thinks the same about his family and his children. He just recently had a second um, and he loves them to the ends of the earth. Now, obviously he wouldn't have a second kid if he truly believed like, oh, don't have kids. But we talked about it because we were like, wow, we both said that. And and we kind of talked about our reasoning why. First and foremost, it is way harder than either of us expected. It is way harder than either of us expected. Let me say that one more time. It is way harder than either of us expected. All of our lives, we wanted kids. We grew up thinking, yes, I am going to have kids. I am going to raise a family. And we thought... Yeah, we would totally be capable of doing it. And so far up to this point, we both have three and a half year olds, almost four year olds, and he has a second one. We've kept them alive and we've been doing it. But we both agree it has been way harder than we expected it to be. It is way more complex. It is way more tiring. It is way more scary than we ever thought it would be. But it is also so incredibly fulfilling. Secondly, life is so expensive and it is only exacerbated by a child. Children are expensive. Financially, you can be doing okay. 
if you throw a child into that situation, children are expensive. Now, they can be worth the expense because you love them so much and you want to raise a family. It is, I have a, I have a kid. I am totally okay that he costs money because I love him so dearly much and I wouldn't trade him for the world. But in this economic state we're in, not state of Utah, but like state of being, the economic climate that we are in currently, it is hard to raise children. Healthcare costs for families, astronomical in the US. Childcare, incredibly hard. So you have two options. You either go one income and you barely scrape by, but you have one person at home taking care of the kids full-time, or you go two income and you still barely scrape by because childcare is so expensive, but it might outweigh the cost you're paying in childcare and you might be able to get financially ahead a little more, but your kid's in childcare, so you don't see them as much and you don't have that time with them. There's no right decision. Universally, there's no right decision. That is something that you two will have to come together and decide on. Me and my wife, we've done both. We did wife stays at home for a time, and then we did childcare for a time, and now we're back for back at wife staying home. It is hard to raise children. Now, I think you should. I think you should do it, but just know it's it's gonna be hard. It's gonna be way harder than you think. So when that time comes, and I would highly suggest don't have that time come anytime soon. You guys are still both very young. I had my kid when I was 24. That's early. <laughs> That is really early. It is okay if you don't have kids that early. It is okay to try and get you and each other figured out a little more in terms of financial income and how you're going to support that child. Now, there will come a point also that you're just going to have to pull the trigger because you'll never be 100% prepared. There comes a point where you have to say like, okay, we are prepared enough to do this and we're going to put forth our full effort. So, at the end of the day, yes, kids can be such an amazing blessing, such a loving part of your lives. It's going to be hard. You can never be fully, fully prepared, but pre- prepare as much as you can. Now, in terms of finances and jobs, college is a double-edged sword. It can open doors. Yes, it can, but also it's dumb, crazy expensive, and sometimes I wonder if it's worth it at all. I don't think I could give anybody solid advice on college. If you can do it cheap and quick to get a piece of paper behind you, fantastic. If you're going into something that absolutely requires a college education and you're going to, you know, push forward and go at it, go at it. Awesome. Cool. There's a lot that has to go into that decision. Now, if you're doing something like, man, I want to paint paintings, I don't think college is worth painting paintings. If you're going into what I went into, family finance, family finance related jobs, like financial counselors, pay hardly anything. I'm making a lot more money doing something that is not at all related to my degree. I just went into something that was like, okay, it's cheap. It's quick. I know I can do it. I'll just get a piece of paper behind my name and I'll figure it out on the other side. Now, definitely having a degree has been able to allow me to get jobs that I probably wouldn't have got without that degree, but still, that's not an easy choice. I don't think I have any solid advice there other than just get through it as cheap and as quick as possible. 
unless you're going to be a doctor, that's not quick, that's not cheap. Or a lawyer, that's not quick, that's not cheap. Because here's the other thing. Once you're out of college, nobody cares where you went to college or what you got a degree in. They really only care about your work experience. There's that. Finances. At least agree on the level of lavish style that you want to live. If one person is like, nah, we got to save and we got to live very humble. And the other person is like, we're buying Gucci and going to France every weekend. That's going to cause some rifts. Now, I am always a person that is like, if you're a member of the Church of Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints and you believe in this sort of thing, pay your tithing first. The blessings will come from that. Uh, Pay yourself second. You know, put into savings. Make sure you got assets of some sort. And then third, pay your obligations. You know, you need a roof over your head. You need running water. You need food. And then have discretionary income to do with what you want. Now, for those people that don't do the tithing route, I kind of flip the order. And I say, pay yourself, pay your obligations, and then be charitable. Because there is a wonderful... um, There is a wonderful financial way of thinking if you can be charitable and that might be with your time and it might be with your money and it might be a little bit of both um you know a lot of members of the church of jesus christ latter-day saints are sacrificing their time for something they believe is the greater good and they have tithing um for a system that they believe is going to benefit them and others more than what they put into it so whatever your beliefs are a, a charitable aspect of things gets you in a different mindset with money that I think is ultimately healthy. And I've read a couple books where they recited certain studies. I wouldn't be able to tell you exactly what books or exactly what studies. So take what I'm about to say with a grain of salt, but I'm pretty sure it's been shown that people that at least put some charitable contribution towards something that they truly believe in are better with money and do economically better than people that don't. Now, I also don't believe in get rich quick, so hate to break it to you, I don't think those exist. Being financially successful is a long, hard journey, and it requires a lot of work and effort. But your financial success might look different than my financial success. So that's something that you guys got to work out between yourselves, but be able to have those big picture, big ticket conversations in terms of your money and work together on those. Don't somebody randomly go buy a car. Don't somebody randomly, you know, go buy a $1,000 flight somewhere. You really have to come together on those things. Now, also, don't fight over every single penny. I, early on in my marriage, used to get so anxious about our finances that it caused a number of scuffles and disagreements and arguments. And I just, I would berate Kara for any money she spent because to me I didn't understand I was like oh why are you buying that there's no value in that sort of thing but then again like I'd buy video games so it goes kind of back to what I was saying earlier is you might value things differently and one person might want to spend money on something and another person might want to spend money on another thing so you can totally have in your budget like hey this is my allowance and this is your allowance now hopefully there's same same for each of you so maybe each month each of you gets 50 bucks you can do whatever you want with no questions asked you know however that breaks down for your finances 
it's like, okay, we got 50 bucks that each of us can do whatever we want with no question asked. And then we have a hundred dollars that we spend on ourselves for just fun things. And if your finances can work out like that, that's great. That can save some headaches. If you just, if you have that little amount of funds where you're like, I know my wife or my husband is not going to get mad at what I'm about to spend with because it is part of my X amount of money that I can just spend no questions asked. And it's okay. Maybe maybe one of you is going to be like, ah, oh, I'm going to bank up my $50, uh, keep track of it so I can make a $500 purchase. Maybe I banked up my $50 for 10 months and I drop a $500 purchase. Now, another thing. Both of you come from big families. Now, I know on the Heath side, generally we've just been like, okay, this family is a unit and then they're assigned to you know another unit and you just give one present so you're not giving a present to every single person but i know both of you come from big families christmas and birthdays can start to become so stinking expensive and you will have to come to a point where you tell your own family and your own in-laws it might happen you come to a point where you say money is tight i can't get you a present for your birthday or hey like we can't go that big on Christmas. We're going to have to do something small. Now, Dylan, I'm not calling you out specifically. Dylan, I know you absolutely love to give gifts. I'm pretty sure that's your number one love language. That's great. That is very, very nice of you. And I hope and pray that you aren't in a financial situation where you are having to fight with yourself on, oh, I need to show my love, but I can't afford to do it in the way that I want to do it. Finances can be such a tricky thing, especially when you're a newly married couple and heck, even seven years in, I have to keep such track of our finances. Now we can be a lot looser than we used to be, but there are still things where like we have to keep on top of certain things. And yeah, we've been able to spend a little more on people's birthdays and Christmas and those times will come. But early on it was like, okay, maybe we got like a $20 budget or we're going to do something super simple. There have been years where my sister and I have just agreed like, hey, we're not going to get any each other anything. Like, we'll just call it sixes. We'll be good. So financially, things will add up that maybe you didn't expect. But keep track of your finances. Plan for your future. I think everything will be okay. Last thing is getting married really is a trial by fire. I'm going to end with this thought. People will give you advice till they're blue in the face just like i've done with this podcast episode that's long much longer than my average podcast episode length people will give you advice and people will tell you things with the best of intentions but they will not know your exact dynamic and what worked for them might not work for you and people will say stuff that sounds incredibly dull and slightly offensive and abrasive and people will will think that they're actually helping when all they're doing is making the situation so much worse that's gonna happen there will be mixing of family dynamics that will cause contention there will be things that communication will break down and it'll be a little rough but no matter what other people say no matter what other people do no matter what shortcomings other people have like the dynamic is between you two as a married couple and take everything 
everybody says with a grain of salt. Because if there was a one-size-fits-all manual for everybody in the world, it would make this whole thing a lot easier than it actually is. So even though somebody tells you something with the best of intentions, it's okay if you don't listen to them. And if you feel like somebody is just being incredibly offensive to you, they might not mean it that way. They don't have the full context of your lives. They don't know what your goals are, what your aspirations are, what your current struggles are, or what your dynamic is exactly like. There's a lot that you two have to figure it out together. But so long as you're trying to work together, and so long as you have the best interests of the other person in mind, and so long as you both want to progress in a like manner to like goals and like rewards at the end of the day, it will work out. Billions of people on this earth have made marriages work out. Every single day, you choose your spouse. Some days, it's automatic. It's incredibly easy. You don't even have to think about it. You're like, of course, why else would I choose anything else? Other days, you might wake up or you might be in a situation and you just have to remind yourself, today I choose my spouse. I am going to continue to choose my spouse. It is okay. It is okay if some days or sometimes that's a hard decision to make. But every day you have to choose your spouse through their flaws, through their shortcomings, and through their achievements. Choose them. Choose yourself. Choose the team. You guys will do great. So this has been, I mean, I'm going to cut this down. I'm currently looking at 43 minutes of recording. Again, much longer than most of my podcast episodes. Hopefully, hopefully you guys got something out of this. I love you guys so much. Me and Kara are definitely here for you. If you ever need anything, you guys will do great. We have faith in you. Have faith in yourselves. We're excited. You're obviously excited. It's a crazy world. And, you know, go forth together. Like, get through the craziness together. Anyway, for everybody else that might have listened along uh, while I gave my brother-in-law and his new wife some uh, advice, and as I reminisce on seven years of marriage and kind of what I've learned in that time, go ahead like favorite share follow rate subscribe whatever you do on your respective platform check out my website jasontebs.com that has everything i do all in one convenient place i am i keep telling myself like hey make more stuff that you can put on your website everything kind of links together so if i if i make a podcast it goes on the website if i make a blog post it goes on the website if i make a youtube video my youtube's linked on that website um I want to create more. I'm not going to promise anything. But if you're ever like, oh, what has Jason done recently? Instead of having to check 20 different platforms, check my website. That has everything. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you have a wonderful day wherever you might be. Dylan and Abby, hope you have a wonderful, wonderful marriage. I am going to go snuggle my wife. Uh, and wake up tomorrow and it'll be our seventh anniversary and we have nothing planned but we're gonna probably veg out and just enjoy each other's company i will catch you next time on teb Soxy premieres this podcast peace out